If you are, uh, if you're relatively new to our church, I do know that we'll have it in our, um, our little video, but I want to encourage you. We have a sign-up out sheet out there for those who are uh, new to our church for our welcome dinner. Our welcome dinner is a really great time. Our kitchen crew knocks it out of the park, and they fix a really nice dinner. But we kind of talk about the church. We talk, we, it's a time for asking questions, if you have questions or anything like that. And so we encourage you to sign up. That way you know how much food that we need to prepare. So if you haven't signed up for that, it's right out on our welcome desk out there. Please go ahead and sign up and let us know. Uh, you know, if, if you're coming, it's going to be on the 24th. It'll be a Sunday night starting at 5 o'clock. And so we really encourage you to come be a part of it because it is a lot of fun and, and it's good. So we're going to receive our offering here a little bit. We've, we kind of got out of, out of sync. How many of you know that's all right? That's okay. So we're going to pray and then we'll, uh, we'll watch our video and then we'll receive the offering. So if the ushers are ready for that, are, they, are you ready now? You sure? I don't see, any, I don't see anything. You don't have anything in your hands? Oh, there we go. All right. Amen. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, that you provide so wonderfully for us in this country. Lord, you, you have given us so much. And Lord, as we, as we give back to you, Lord, those things which we believe belongs to you, Lord, we pray that we'd use it wisely, that we would, we would use your resources, uh, Lord, to reach people and to minister to them. And God, to minister in our community in, in, in a variety of ways. And we just ask your blessing on the giver and upon the gift as we praise you for all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And we have a video, so just hang. Welcome to Valley Christian Fellowship. If this is your first time with us, Pastor Leo and Donna welcome you and ask that you visit our welcome desk following today's service. We have a special gift just for you, and we would love to answer any questions you may have. Our goal here at VCF is to reach the lost, mature the saints, worship the Lord, and be led by the Spirit. Here's a peek at what's ahead. Join us after service today for fellowship lunch. On the menu today for a minimum of a $3 donation is hamburgers, potato salad, and Waldorf salad. Thank you so much to everyone who has been giving extra to keep this ministry going. Life Choice's annual fundraiser is all over. Make sure you bring back those baby bottles filled with change so that we can keep making a difference. In Jesus Name Medical Ministry will be here at VCF on Saturday, March 16th from 9 a.m. to noon. These are local doctors and nurses who run a free mobile care clinic for those without adequate medical insurance. Please see your bulletin for more information. Would you like to know more about who we are, what we believe, how we function, and where you fit in? Get answers to all these questions on Sunday, March 24th at 5 p.m. for our next welcome dinner. Child care is provided. Please sign up at the welcome desk. Ladies, join us and women around the world on April 6th as we come together for a wonderful day of worship, fellowship, and Bible teaching by Priscilla Shire. See your bulletin for ticket prices, event schedule, and more. Have you been thinking about the kitchen ministry but don't want to cook? That's perfect because they have several areas where people are needed that don't involve cooking. Please see your bulletin for more information. For more information regarding these and other events, please see our website at www.valleycf.org. Again, we're so glad you're here with us today. We look forward to seeing you this week as we discover God's purpose and plan for our lives. Amen. 
Amen. Good stuff. Hey, listen, we got a couple things as, as the offering is about to finish up here. Um, last week, did you enjoy the testimonies that people had? And it really was a great ministry that people, uh, how God touched their lives and touched their heart. And so I have a couple people that want to share our testimonies this morning. And so, uh, Stacy, we'd like for you to come on up. Where are you? Okay, great. <clears throat> morning. How is everybody? I get nervous, so I apologize if I start ugly crying, like Pastor Leo made me do last week. I just wanted to share my what was on my heart. Over the last several weeks, life gets tough, and we allow things to be absorbed into our mind, which affects our heart. Everybody, we have our own family and individual trials and tribulations. Well, I was going through some of my own individual tribulations. I was battling between my thoughts of my mind and the thoughts of my heart. My faith was being tested and admittedly, suppressed a little by the unjust and the immoral and godless actions of our nation, of our mankind. It was amplified by the media, and I found myself praying for clarity and guidance and questioning God. Why aren't you here now? When I heard Pastor Leo's sermon the last two weekends, I realized that I had been struggling with myself and my intimate relationship with the Lord. And I knew that I needed to work on that. But there was still a piece of that message missing for me. So I thanked the Lord for his guidance and I asked for additional clarity to clear my mind and my heart to stop the battle. And last Sunday, God laid on my heart that message. He spoke to me through Pastor Leo. I had been struggling to hear and see God's truth. It was muted by those loud voices that Pastor Leo talked about, that loud voice of corruption and deceit. but I was set free. Hallelujah. Yes. I heard God's truth. And I heard through the hypocrisy and the lawlessness and that lack of common sense that is attacking us and our nation. Yes. God is here. He is working on me. He is working on you. He is building his spiritual army so that we can go out and make a difference. That is the message I received last week. And I thank the Lord every day 
for showing me and guiding me my path or down my path through his righteousness. So thank you, Lord, for your guidance and for the message. And thank you, Pastor Leo, for being that pathway to that truth. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. We have another couple, Matt and Tracy. They're going to come and share. Matt and Tracy are relatively new. Been here just a few weeks, but God's showing them a few things, which has been interesting as well. Well, as Pastor said, I'm Matt, and this is Tracy. My wife is painfully shy, so just hang on here a little bit, honey. Um, anyway, uh, we, uh, we are new to the area. We just moved down from Washington State, and uh, uh, I've been here for about six months working for my brother, and uh, we just decided to make the move uh, uh, during, during Christmas. And uh, we, I began to look. She stayed up in Washington State, but I began to look for a church. And, you know, I wandered around, and, and I went to a couple of Wednesday night services, and uh, and, and uh, so on, but uh, I was looking specifically for a church where um, the presence of the Holy Spirit is there, and 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 that the uh, gifting of the Holy Spirit is active and and, and alive in the church. Um, without drawing this out, you know, we, we need to be a Book of Acts church. Uh, you know what I mean? If Jesus if Jesus yeah. taught it. It was practiced in the book of Acts, and it was expounded upon the epistles. It needs to be active in the church, and um, uh, that is what I was looking for. And then a couple of weeks ago, I came into this church, and it was just the week prior to uh, uh, Tracy uh, coming down, and I said, wow, I, I feel the presence of God here. I feel the Holy Spirit moving uh, here, and uh, I'm hearing... Uh, people coming forward with words and stuff like that. I'm going, hey, right on, you know, because it, it says uh, when you come to church to bring your gift. See, it's not just pa it's not just the pastor's uh, thing. You, you, each one of you has a gift, and that's what you do when you assemble is you bring your gift so it edifies the body. So that being said, uh, the next week we come in, and of course it was a it was a uh, it was a right on the money. Uh, uh, message that Pastor Leo brought, and I, I, I told Tracy, I said, I think we found our church. <laughs> I think we found it. And, and so I brought her here, and we were warmly welcomed and greeted. It just feels like you're at home when you walk into this church. I'm just going to be right up front with you. It was just like people are genuine here. I've been to churches where they go, hey, how you doing? And, and they, they, don't, they don't care. But when we're getting greeted... We're getting, well, I'm just being real with you. We're, we're getting greeted by people who the joy and the presence of the Holy Ghost is inside of them. The presence of God is inside of them. And that's very, very important. We need to be uh, about community and about interaction with one another. Um, uh, I believe that's what the Lord wants. So we're, we're, we're sitting down and I'm going, hey, well, this is pretty good, huh? And she goes, yeah, yeah. So it's all right. Because she, she's very nervous. You know, like I said, she's painfully shy. So we sit down over there and, uh, the, the message begins, and uh, a gal gets up, and uh, Janice, I believe is her name, Janice came up and was faithful uh, in, in bringing the word. She said, well, I, I, I should have said, spoke this word last week, but uh, I, I, I didn't, and I'm, so I'm coming up to speak it now. And uh, 
she gets up and she begins to speak, and it's the exact words. Well, let me back up just very quickly because during the worship service, I'm sorry about that, during the worship service, my wife got saved August 1st, 2010, and the song that drew her to the altar was My God is Mighty to Save. And, and guess, you, you were here, right? Yeah, when, pa when Pastor uh, started singing that song, and I looked over her and I went, hmm, huh? She goes, huh, you know, and you could feel the anointing and the blessing. And then uh, my sister got up and, and, and shared the word, and it was the exact, almost verbatim, the exact word that was spoken over her the day that she got saved. At, 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 at the altar. And I'm going, eh, what do you think now, huh? <laughs> and then this preacher over here, this, this goofy-looking fellow over here with a big smile on his face all the time, he gets up there and he hits another one out of the park, just boom, you know. And I'm like, hey, man, this guy spends time with the Lord. This is the kind of man that we're looking for uh, to, to edify us. Uh, because, you know, we're spending time in the Lord during the week, and then we come into church, and then we get edified by the word that comes forth. That's, that's what we're looking for. Thank you, Jesus. And I went, wow, that was just fabulous. So we get home, and my wife begins to clean her, her uh, Bible out. She's getting all her stuff out of her Bible case, and she goes, she goes, honey, come here. And I says, what you got? And she goes, you're not going to believe this. Now, my wife is a CNA, and she was taking care of a, uh, an associate pastor who, who passed on and went to be with the Lord. And uh, she says, look at this. Now, he was handing these uh, cards out uh, uh, throughout, his, uh, throughout his pastoral thing, and it was just, he would just hand this card out, and he would say, hey, this is, this is something that, uh, can I share this with you? It changed my life, and he'd just hand them out. And it, what it is, it's a sinner's prayer on the back. It just changed my life. And I flipped it back over, and I looked down there, and she goes, look at that. And it's Valley Christian Fellowship. Hmm. In Longview, Washington. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, where we live. How about that, huh? So an associate pastor's card uh, was confirmation for us that, that, that this is our home church. Amen? Hallelujah. Thanks for having us. Amen. Well, the pressure's on now to preach a good word. I can tell you that. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 23 because we've already talked about that a little bit, read some of it already. But uh, this morning, before we read Matthew 23, I just want to, I want to uh, kind of set something uh, in your mind before we get started, before we read the scriptures, because uh, if you are a guest, I want to let you know something. The Word of God is our standard. It's what we believe, it's what we teach, it's what we preach, and um, that is the very most important thing to us is, is God's Word. And so, but it's important to understand some of the things that are going on around us and some of the things that you hear in our society now uh, that I think need to be corrected. They need to be, we need to know what the Word of God says about these things and not just what society is telling us. And it's important. So before I read the scripture, I want to bring to mind that there are two distinct sides of this great God we serve. There's two distinct sides of this great God that we serve. He is a God of mercy. We sing that song, I know you love me. What a beautiful song at the cross. I know you love me. And, and, and that's something that we need to make sure that we know. We need to know that God loves us. 
because that helps us get through so many different things. And so it's important that we understand that God loves us. He's a God of mercy, grace, forgiveness, kindness, gentleness, mercy, patience, and love. He, matter of fact, the Word of God says that he is love. So anything that really is attached to the love that the Bible explain, uh, explains comes <laughs> from the Scripture, comes from God. But the same God is a God of wrath. He's a God of judgment. He's a God of punishment. And he's a God of eternal condemnation. And you're going, man, how does that fit? Well, let me tell you how it fits. And we're going to be reading some things that as we go through the scriptures, we're going to see exactly where this comes from. And we're going to see both sides of this great God that we serve. And so the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 11, verse 22, Therefore consider the goodness and the severity of God. On those who fell, severity, but toward you, goodness, if you continue in his goodness, otherwise you will also be cut off. He's talking about how the, the Israelites and we were grafted into the, the uh, house of Israel and all these different type of things. But he's saying, look, we, we need to understand. I need some water. Does anybody find me some water, please? Somebody find me just a little water. All right. <clears throat> so basically, it's important for us to understand the difference. Got it, James? Is this used? Nope. <laughs> oh, yeah, they would. Well, as long as there's no backdropping in there, it's okay. I'm good, brother. <clears throat> what a distraction. I pray, let's just pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, uh, it truly is our standard. It's what we believe and teach and hold to. And God, I pray that as I read the word this morning, God, it would, it would do as it always does. Lord, it will touch our hearts and minister to us right where we are. Lord, we need to understand everything about your word, not just part of it. And I just come to you and ask your blessing upon this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There are those who only preach the love of God. It's all you hear. It, it, it's always about God's love, about his forgiveness and all that. And that's a great thing. The problem with that is, though, it's only about half of the Bible. It's only about half of God's nature, and, 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 and it only explains half of who God is. But it's important to understand that his love surrounds everything he does. And so it's important that we know it. And we understand what the difference is. And in following the scriptures, we're going to see both sides of this great God that we serve. Matthew 23, let's go there. We're going to back up a little bit. Last week, we went down actually to uh, verse 33. But I'm going to back up to verse 30 and, and speak about Jesus. Is, he's talking to the Pharisees, and he's condemning the Pharisees. And last week we talked about how he called them blind guides. He, he called them five times 
that they were blind. They could not see. And we talked about that last week. We talked about the, the world that we live in. We wonder why people are so ungodly, why people are doing things that make no common sense in our society, how laws are coming across that just don't make sense. And, and so what we were seeing is Jesus was addressing that very thing when he was talking to the Pharisees and, and the scribes. They could not see that what they were doing was hypocritical. It was wrong. It was, it was not scriptural and all these things. He said, you're blind. You clean the outside of the cup, but inside you is full of dead men's bones. It's, it's, it's nasty inside. And then he says this. Even so, you outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. And he said, woe to you, scribes. I started back in 28. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, because you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous and say, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Therefore, Jesus said, you are witnesses against yourself that you are the sons of those who murdered the prophets. Wow. Fill up then the measure of your father's guilt. What's he saying there? What he's saying right this as we go through this, make full, finish up what they've left undone. And that's exactly what the Pharisees did as they continued on. Fill up then the measure of your father's gift, guilt serpents, brood of vipers, <laughs> this little different picture of Jesus here, okay, he is, he is speaking very harsh words, he, he's calling these men, they're, they're hypocrites, they're blind, they're all kinds of things, he calls them serpents and brood of vipers, how can you escape the condemnation of hell? Therefore, now he's talking about the future. Therefore, indeed, I send you prophets, wise men, and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge in the synagogues and persecute from city to city. So he's talking about a future event that's going to be happening, which we actually see taking place in the book of Acts. As Jesus has prophesied this was going to happen, and it does. Then that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth. From the blood of righteous Abel, which was the first person to die by the hands of his brother. From the righteous blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Bechariah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Assuredly, I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation." Now, what's going to happen is he's, he's, he's going he's to tell them what's going to be happening, and it's not going to be very far down the road until this happens. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wing, but you were not willing. You wouldn't. You wouldn't come. See, your house is left to you desolate. 
For I say to you, you shall not see me no more till you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You know, it's really interesting when we look at the scriptures that he just talked about. There is um, that Jesus is lamenting. He's, he is, there's a sorrow in his heart. There's not many times in scripture where we see Jesus actually wept or he cried or he lamented. He dealt with people. He ministered to them. And there was a time when he, when he actually wept, and he wept when he was dealing with, with raising Lazarus from the dead. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But what I want to go and talk about right now is this. I want to talk about this whole thing where Jesus is talking to the, to the Pharisees and the scribes of that day, and he's saying, you are guilty of the blood of your fathers. Now, that's a pretty heavy thing. We think, how am I guilty of the blood of, of my fathers? The reason is, it's because they were continuing in the same tradition. They were continuing in the same thing. So they were not only persecuting and, and, and so on, Jesus and, and his apostles at that time, but they were partakers of it because they did not change or repent for their father's actions or their own. And so let me read some scriptures to you. Go with me to Jeremiah chapter 32. <clears throat> this is pretty intense stuff. Jeremiah chapter 32. You know, I was listening to a, a show many, many years ago. It was the Phil Donahue show, I believe. A few years ago. And he had a pastor on there, and he had, he had a witch on there as well. And I think the, uh, the, the pastor, I can't remember his name right now, but he wrote a book on the kingdom of the cults. Who was that guy? Walter Martin. Walter Martin he was on there. And I remember uh, he was talking to him, and, and Walter Martin uh, wanted to touch the switch. Because I could tell that what he wanted to do is he wanted to pray for her. And she didn't want anything to do with him touching her. I can tell you that. And when he'd reach over, she'd just back off because, you know what? She knew. She knew. And he knew. And everybody else knew. And, and he just wanted to touch her casually. He just wanted to reach up and touch her casually. I'll tell you what. When cult members come to my door and they bring their children, I got my hands on them. I walk over and I just, put, I just gently put my hands on them. I'm saying, God, deliver them. Keep them. Protect them. Bless them. And I believe God answers that prayer. And, and, and I, but here's what Phil Donahue said. He, and this is that whole love thing. That God's all about love. He said, uh, I think when it comes down to it, he's just going to say, just come on in. No, he's not going to say that. And that's what we need to understand. He's not just going to say, oh, come on in, no matter how you've lived your life, no matter how you treated Jesus, no matter how you thought about these things. No, it's not going to matter. It is going to matter. It is going to matter because it has eternal consequences attached to it. And it's going to matter forever. And it's not, oh, just come on in. You've done okay. It's been our No. It's a lie. And we need to understand that it's not the truth. And so when we see that, 
we need to understand the other side of God as well. Amen. 32, verse 17. Our Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. And this, you show loving kindness to thousands and repay the iniquity of the fathers into the bosom of their children after them. The great and mighty God, whose name is the Lord of hosts, you are great in counsel and mighty in work, for your eyes are open to all the ways of the sons of men to give everyone according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doing. Exodus 20. I'm going to read a scripture to you that is very familiar. If you were raised early, went to school in the 50s, early 60s, you probably heard these. It's called the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, verse 1, And the Lord God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourselves any carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the sea. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I am the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Listen to this. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Who hate God. But showing mercy to thousands who love me and keep my commandments. Praise God. Now. I want to I kind of move a little bit. The first fulfillment of Jesus' command when he talked about that in Matthew 23, when he talked about the prophetic word in Acts chapter 7, if you'll turn there with me, Stephen, who was one of the deacons appointed in, in uh, chapter 6, preaches to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all those guys. And, and he's preaching the word of God to them. And they can't handle it. And in verse 51 he says, you stiff-necked. <laughs> Man, he minces no words. He's preaching, he's preaching the gospel to them. And he said, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. This is a direct fulfillment of what Jesus said in Matthew 23. Fill up what your father's guilt is. In other words, they're going to finish it up by persecuting Jesus and all of his disciples and all those who follow him until something happens. And I'm yet to get there. You've got to hang with me. And he said this. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, speaking of Jesus, of whom you have now become betrayers and murderers. You killed Jesus. 
who have received the law by the direction of the angels and have not kept it, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed their teeth at him. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man, Jesus, standing at the right hand of God. Man, it took these guys, it, it blew them away. And look what they did. And they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and reddened him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul, who became Paul later on. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. You ever been hit with a rock? I'll tell you what, when I get hit with something, it would take, it would take a real move of the spirit to keep me settled. Because I'd be wanting to pick that rock back up and throw it back, right? And I, 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 we don't see Stephen doing it. We see him praying that God would forgive those who are doing this. Amazing thing. But it's a fulfillment of what he spoke in Matthew 23, that you will, you will kill those that will come. I send to you prophets and good men and, and, and that sort of thing, but you will persecute them and kill them. We know that, that Peter died. We know that, that all of them died. All the apostles died. Serious deaths. But what's really interesting is this. See, your house is left to you desolate. As he looked out over Jerusalem, guess what happened? 70 A.D., it was all destroyed. The temple, their house, was destroyed. And guess what? So was their authority. And so was their ability to continue persecution. But the Romans still could. And they still did. But the, the Sadducees and Pharisees and all that sort of stuff, fill up your guilt. And they were the ones that filled it up. It was full pretty much over. We still have persecution today. Do you realize the 20th century? Get this, the 20th century, more Christians were martyred and died for their faith than all the 19 centuries combined before the 20th century. I don't see it getting any better. The 21st century is even worse because people are dying for their faith all across the world. And every place that they're being persecuted, the church is growing like crazy. Why? Because the Spirit of God is moving in these people's lives. And they see the truth of God's Word, and they're willing to die for it. They're willing to die for it, just like the apostles did. They, they died for their belief that Jesus rose from the dead. And they knew. They were there. Now, I want to move on. I want to move on. Because... Uh, I, I want to just touch one more thing. 
I want to relate how Jesus lamented over the city, and I'm going to relate it to King David. King David had a son named Absalom, and he loved him dearly. And yet Absalom betrayed the king, took his position, ousted him, slept with his concubines, and literally was, uh, David fleed from him. Now that's a good father-son relationship. <laughs> but what I want to show you is David's heart. It's the same heart that Jesus shares right here. Listen to the words. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem. My people, my people. 2 Samuel 18, 33. Then the king was deeply moved, went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, he said thus, O my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if only I had died in your place. O Absalom, my son, my son. King David would have gave his life to save his son. Jesus gave his life to save us. And to all those that would come to him, as the prophetic word spoke this morning in tongues and interpretation, come to me, come to me, come to me. Man. Wow. Jesus' cry for Jerusalem was one of compassion, love, and a broken heart. His desire is that they would come to him, that he might care, nurture, protect, and gather them to himself, but they would not. The God of the universe was calling them, come to me. And as the word said, as Eddie said, bring your burdens to me and you will find rest. <clears throat> we see that Jesus wept when he was dealing with raising Lazarus from the dead. We're not real sure exactly why he wept. We don't see him weeping when the widow's son died. We don't see him weeping at any other time very much. He always had compassion on people. But when Lazarus was about to be raised from the dead, he wept. There's a couple of reasons, and I don't know which one it is. It could be that he was feeling the pain of Lazarus' sisters who were there, and they were crying out, and they were upset, and they were, you know, Lazarus had died, and they knew that Jesus could have saved them. And yet he didn't come. And they were, I don't know if, they, if he was crying because of maybe their unbelief and he had to shore that up. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he die, he will live. Or maybe he was just feeling the compassion and the pain that they were feeling because of all of the relatives and friends that loved this good man, Lazarus. Maybe he was feeling that pain. Or maybe... 
He was weeping because he knew he was going to bring Lazarus back to this earth. A man who is now in perfect peace. A man who is now in the bosom, maybe not at, in the presence of the Lord yet because Jesus hadn't been crucified. But he was at peace. And guess what? If you bring somebody back from the dead, they're going to have to die again. And Jesus knew that. I don't know how, Jesus, how Lazarus died the first time. I don't know how he died the second time. There's nothing that talks about that. But you know what? Any dying deal is not too good. And so I don't know why he wept, but he did. And his compassion was great. Now I want to move to a different place. Can you go with me? I want to talk about being gathered under his wings. Well, I want to talk about the goodness of God now. And I want to talk about you. And I want to talk about what God wants you and what he wants to do for you. Because this is a very personal thing. I'm not talking about your religion. I'm talking about your personal relationship with the God of the universe. Your personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how it is very unique to everyone else's relationship. Do you ever, do you ever feel alone? Do you ever feel alone? Come on. Come on. Come on, I know a lot of you out there afraid to raise your hand because now everybody that raised their hand, stand up. No, I'm not going <laughs> to. It's okay, you don't have to stand. I'm not going to make you do anything if you raise your hand. Do you ever feel weak and afraid? Look at all the hands. Look at all the hands around you. Look, you're not unique in this. I ask these questions because I know that the answers are going to be affirmative. Do you ever feel vulnerable to the enemy? Hmm. Do you ever feel like you've ever disappointed God? All right, keep them up. Get them up high. Hmm. Wow. Wow. You know, I go to Bible college. We have Bible college here. And every Thursday night, we have a three-hour Bible class. It's intense. We're going to have two classes this fall, by the way. And so these are accredited classes. It's a powerful thing. But our, uh, our professor made a statement this last Thursday night. And um, she heard it from Joyce Maurer. George Myers. I'll get it out in a minute. You can never disappoint God. You can never disappoint God. I went, what? Because I feel like I disappoint God a lot. And every hand in here just about went up. Here's the issue. Disappointment comes by a blocked expectation. We expect something to happen, and when it doesn't happen, or doesn't happen the way we expect it to, we can be disappointed, right? God knows you altogether. 
He is the author and the finisher of your faith. He knows you before you were born. He knows your days. He knows everything you think, everything you do, every intent of your heart, and everything that's going to happen tomorrow, the next day, and from then on. He has no unreal expectation. Just think about it. He knows what you're going to do tomorrow. He's not going to be disappointed because you didn't do what he expected you to do. Now here, you can disappoint your wife, your husband, your father, your mother, your son, your daughter, your friends, your pastor. Many of you have. <laughs> I'm not going to name names. <laughs> to raise your hand, you will have to stand up. No. It's important to understand that. I can disappoint people, and I can disappoint myself. That's probably the one that we disappoint the most is right here, ourselves. Because we expect things to happen. We expect to be at a certain place. We expect things to happen that maybe were prophesied to us, whatever it might be, and they don't happen. And so we get disappointed. We, get, we lose our vision. We lose our purpose. We lose our direction. All these different kind of things, and, and, but we're not disappointing God. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to Psalms chapter 36. We're going to finish up with this. Psalms 36. <clears throat> Verse 7. How precious is your loving kindness, O God. Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. Now, he's drawing a picture. This is all a figure of speech. It's all an issue where God really doesn't have wings because we're created in his, in his image, and I don't have wings. And if I did, I wouldn't know how to use them. But this, he says, they are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures. For with you, it is a fountain of life, in your light, we see light. I've seen the light. <laughs> Praise God. I've seen the light. You guys are right on today with your, with your songs. Praise God. Good, good selection, Eddie, even though you didn't select it. <laughs> you said it just came, right? <laughs> All right. Colossians 3. Run over to the New Testament. This is where I want to go. I should have told you to keep your fingers in, in Psalms, but you can find it again. It's a big book. Colossians 3, verse 1. If you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on things of the earth, for you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will appear with him 
in glory. And it just goes on down and talks about a lot of other things. But what I want to show you here is this. This is the case. What does it mean to be hidden in Christ? To be hidden in him is to be at a place where I am trusting and resting in him. And it's, it's the same picture of, of, of the, 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 the hen raising her wings and allowing her chicks to come in and putting her wings around them to a chick there is no safer place on earth. Even though a, chick, a, a hen really doesn't have much defense against a coyote or something like that. But to those chicks, they are secure. And we know that our God is able to protect us. He is a strong tower. There is nothing that can penetrate his blessing upon us. And to be hidden in Christ is that we move into who he is. We move into the shadow of his wings under his care and his great protection and his great blessing. And so nothing can get to us because he is our first line of defense. Amen? And when we have the greatest power on earth, our first line of defense, what do we have to worry about? Woo. Psalms 91. This is my last message. Uh, the last, uh, the last, nah, well, who knows? It is the last. Psalms 91. But I don't want to read that yet. I want you to think about this for a moment. To be hidden in Christ, to be hidden in Christ, there is no safer place. There is no safer place. Your relationship, now hear me, your relationship with God is unique to you. It's unique to you. I have a relationship with God that is different than Eddie's because he is a different person. It's not unique in the sense that God doesn't reach out to all of us and save us all because of his sacrifice. All that is the same. But my personal relationship with Jesus Christ is unique to me. Have you ever heard the song in the garden? How does it go? Alone? While the dew is still on the roses? And what? And the joy we share as we no other can ever know. Why? Because it's my relationship with Jesus. It's my relationship with Jesus. They have their own. I can't share theirs. They can't share mine. It's unique to me. Is that precious? That means that the God of the universe has a specific relationship just for this little farm boy. Just me. And he has one just for you, no matter who you are. No one else has it. No one else can experience it. No one else can have it. It is your own personal relationship, your secret place, your refuge, your hiding place, your 
fortress and your safe and secure place. Your relationship with God. I'm going to read Psalm 91, then we're going to go eat. But before that, we're going to give you an opportunity to respond to the Lord. Psalm 91, 16 chapter or verses. <laughs> he who dwells in the secret place, that secret place, of the Most High, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night. You can sleep in peace. Nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilent that walks in the darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the Most High, your habitation, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. They shall bear you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, and the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. You shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Amen. Praise God. I think we have just some music. You don't have to sing a song. Just play, just play some music if you could, please. I'd like for the prayer team to come forward, and I'd like uh, any of our leadership that's here, any of our elders, deacons that are here to come forward as well. And I'd like for you to do something a little bit different today. I'd like for you all just to bow your heads, if you would, please. You know, I, I am a firm believer that every Sunday, God wants to do business with his people. And that's... That's why you come, because you're here, because God wanted you to be here. And all these people are here because they want to pray for you, and they want to see God's work done in your life. Now, if you want God dealing with you, and you're one of the prayer team members, I want you to be obedient as well, and let people pray for you. Is that all right? I know, I know you guys. You're not perfect. None of us are. And when a word speaks to us, we need to allow the Lord to speak to us. So can you just put your heads down and just bow your heads before right now? If God has spoke to your heart and you feel like you need to be prayed for, for whatever reason, I don't care what it is, nobody necessarily needs to know 
But if you're here this morning and the Lord set your heart, if you, first of all, if you've never received Christ as your Savior, you've never been born again, like Jesus told Nicodemus, has to happen in your life. That's never happened to you. I want to give you that opportunity this morning. If you're here, with every eye closed, head bowed, and you want prayer, I'd like for you to raise your hand. You want prayer. All across, wherever you are, raise your hand, keep them up. Prayer team, I'd like for you to look and see those people who have their prayer, their hands up. I'd like you just to make your way to these people. Pray, keep your hands up. They're going to come pray for you. God wants to minister to you. If you're a prayer team member and you need prayer, you can raise your hand. God will pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Keep your hands up. I want to make sure that everyone gets prayed for. You can share your prayer request with them if you'd like. Or you can keep it private, but they'll still pray for you. Hallelujah. Praise your God. Do you need Him more than ever before? Yes, we do. We need God more than ever. I need Him more than I've ever needed Him. More than the air I breathe More than the song I sing Hallelujah. Well, Father, I call upon you right now for your people, Lord. I pray that God, this word would touch their hearts and minister to them. Lord, I am so grateful to know you. Lord, I ask you to bless our meal as we partake of it. I pray that these prayers would really reach and touch your people. Deliver them, God, wherever it is, whatever their need is. We just call out to you for that. If you need prayer for something else and you want to come forward, our prayer team will still be here for you. But if not, we want you to go and have a great fellowship time. Have some, have some hamburgers and whatever they have there. And just be blessed. God bless you. You're, you're free to go. Go have some hamburgers. Our guests, we'd love to have you come and be a part. Praise God.